Thanks for tuning into the Woods Edge Student Ministry Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more information, you can go to woodsedge.org or look us up on Facebook under Woods Edge Students. I showed this illustration to the junior high um, service, and then I realized later that I think I've actually showed this illustration here, but we're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. And so worrying about stuff in our life, there was a study done about how people worry about how they can live longer how they can prolong their life and their longevity of life. And so they came up with 10 things, 10 things of how to live longer. And we'll just look through them and see if any of them apply to us. But the first one is starve yourself. That little old man's going to wither away. I I don't know how he's going to live much longer than today. Uh, Number nine, learn a new language. So, you know, uh, Andreas probably knows Turkish and English. He's going to probably live longer than most of you now. Um, live on a mountaintop. Maybe the air is cleaner. I don't know. You could, yeah. Get a religion. I guess if you pick the right one, you might live for eternity. Um, gene therapy. I'm no brain. Exact. That's what I said. What, is, what in the world is gene therapy? It sounds like you would need a lot of money, which brings us to our next point. Get rich, and you'll have no cares or stress. But if you go to the next one, it says that you need to work hard and be stressed to live longer. So I feel like those two contradict each other. This is, by the, again, the world standards for how to live longer. Take drugs. Negative. Oh, the good kind, the right kind, right? Prescription medication will help you live longer. I don't know. I do want you guys to know that neither of these are real. No, I have no idea about that one. Number one, how to live the longest. Walk around with garlic breath. We're going to serve you guys garlic hamburgers at the end of this thing. Exactly. See who lives the longest after eating a garlic hamburger. I don't know, but as I'm, as I'm thinking about that list of how to live longer, I'm thinking, why on, earth would, why on earth would we want to live longer? When you get to the age such as me and you start having children maybe one day, you're like, you know what, God, you could take me out in the next 30 years and I'd be fine. You know, I'd be okay if I lived till about 65, 70 and then I was in heaven. And there's so much more to worry about than this life alone, like eternal things. I mean, does our mind even go there? Does your mind in in high school even go to the day after tomorrow? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Some of you. There's a pretty famous scripture. You guys probably know it. John 3, 16. I, I guarantee most of you could recite it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Eternal life. life. I mean, seriously, can you really wrap your mind around this thing of eternity? It's kind of hard to, isn't it? Let that marinate for just a second. Eternity. Let's pray. God, as we, as we seek you this morning, and we seek your holy word, we try to understand, God, what you're trying to tell us through this, this timeless book that we call the Bible, that, God, you would open our eyes, open our hearts to this thing called eternity, eternal life, God, what is that, and what is our place on this earth, so long as we have these few precious years. God, would you start to reveal 
our purpose while we walk this earth. And when would you reveal those things that are unseen to us that we can't comprehend as mere mortals? God, we love you and we look forward to hearing from you. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I thought I'd give us a quick illustration to try to help wrap our minds around eternity. I'm not going to take credit for this. I'm going to give credit to Francis Chan on this one. But it's such a good illustration that I figured we'd go with it. So, if we're going to try to understand eternity and our existence from beginning to end, maybe we'll just start with this rope. We'll let this white rope represent our existence into the rest of eternity. Eternity is going to be a long ways away. It's not going to end, is it? I mean, seriously, if this represented eternity, I'd be drowning in in white rope right now. And so imagine this rope just goes on forever and ever, and this is our existence after we die. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Now, to bring it back into perspective, this little red portion represents our time on earth. From start to finish, whenever you were born until the day you die, we'll let that red portion represent your existence on earth. In relation to the rest of eternity, it's pretty small, isn't it? Pretty, pretty short, few precious years we have. And I'm blown away at how some people live this red portion right here, never thinking about any of this, never thinking that the decisions they make here in high school, about right here, not only affect this, but all of this. And some of those decisions affect it good or bad. But do we really think that while we're in high school and we've got you know, these four years in high school, do we really think much after that? I mean, I can speak for myself. When I was in high school... I didn't think a whole lot about eternity, and I'll share with more about that in a little bit, but I was pretty focused on myself. In fact, eternal things you know, were lofty, and this idea that the decisions that I made today affected this. Now, most of you, probably in this room, woke up this morning, and maybe some of your minds went to tests you have this next week and homework that's due tomorrow. In fact, I pick on Ryan Shannon again. The dude was doing chemistry homework Last Sunday up here at church, and I was like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, I'm busy. It's due. I'm, and it just it helps me realize how much is on your plates, so much so that it can block out the rest of this. And when we live for this, this red portion, when we just make decisions that we think affect this portion, it's almost in reality like we're saying, you know what? This is not important as this. When we make decisions without thinking about the eternal consequences, good or bad, it's almost like we're saying this portion, this life that we're living in right in here is more important than what was offered through Jesus dying on a cross. And you might say, no, I don't think of it that way. But in hindsight, it's almost like we're denying Christ and what he lived for, what he died for, and what he rose again for when we think 
all about just this and about us right here. You know, the Bible talks about a disciple that denied Jesus three times leading up to the resurrection. In fact, um, going back into that story a little bit, and we'll just use the Gospel of John this morning for that illustration, but we're going to go all the way to a scene where Jesus has his 12 disciples, and they're at the Last Supper. And there's several events that take place, and some of the most more important ones, Jesus is trying to explain to them how to serve one another, love one another, and he does that through the washing of their feet, illustrating the washing of their feet, being cleansed. And then he starts to explain to them that he's going to be leaving them soon because Jesus knows he's got a few short hours left before all hell breaks loose and he's persecuted to the eventual means of bringing him to the cross. And so he's speaking to them in these undertones of very important words that he's wanting to hold on to. I'm going to a place and I'm going to prepare this place for you, he says. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to bring you into this place with me. But you can't go just yet. Of course, Peter, one of his disciples, says, Jesus, I, I'm going to go with you. No, I'm going to go with you. I would die for you. Jesus, being God in the flesh, looks at Peter and says, well, Peter, not only can you not stand behind that statement, you're going you're gonna to deny me three times before the rooster crows in the morning. And so sure enough, Judas sells out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Not long after the Last Supper, Roman officials come to seize Jesus. They arrest him. Peter tries to get brave, cuts off the ear of one of the officials. Jesus says, put your sword away. Take Jesus off. And, you know, I can think about it in terms of this. Have you ever been at school and you see two people starting to get in a heated exchange? And next thing you know, everybody's kind of crowded around them. And you get that one little guy in the back going, fight, 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 fight. I mean, this is how things are escalating. They're escalating quickly. Jesus gets hauled off to a back room. Tempers are flaring. People are yelling. I mean, they're persecuting Jesus. They got him on the spot. Why are you here? What are you doing? What are you saying to these people? Why do you got everybody following you? And Peter and another disciple have kind of worked their way where they've got, they're in earshot of this. They, they can hear what's going on. They're kind of standing out back. And the scripture says that they're warming themselves next to a charcoal fire. Can you imagine Peter now listening? Man, they're really getting after Jesus in there. And all of a sudden, this woman says to him, hey, you're one of his disciples. And he goes, no, no, I don't even know the guy. And at that split moment, Peter's thinking about this portion right here. He's got nothing of eternity on the brain. In fact, he's thinking, man, Jesus is in there getting tossed around. And the scriptures even say that he got struck in the face and all of a sudden, Peter's thinking, man, do I really want to be a part of this? I, mean, I, don't, I don't know that guy. I'm not one of his disciples. He's thinking about this quiet, calm life that he wants to live. And in the face of persecution, he won't even part of it. Two more times he's asked, hey, aren't you one of his disciples? No. I don't even know him. Don't even know him. I don't know what that sound is, but can you make it go away? We'll let them work on it. 
the faith persecution, Peter gets scared. He gets scared. Have you ever stood in the face of persecution and, and a little bit of fear come over you and go, you know, I, I don't really know if I want to carry on right now and, and exemplifying my faith because I'm kind of worried about what they're going to think of me and, and more importantly, I'm kind of worried about what they're going to do to me. Anybody ever been there? Maybe. Yeah, I'd be willing to bet that more often than not, we've acted like Peter at times. We've acted like Peter, and I'm about to come unglued on that thing. Dwight, are you in here? Thanks, buddy. And so I'd be more willing to bet that we have denied Christ at times in our life. And it might be simple as maybe we don't really believe in prayer. Maybe we don't really believe that prayer works. Wouldn't that be denying the power of Christ, of praying in his name? Thank you, buddy. I mean, what if, what if every time you sin, you just always walked around in guilt and shame? Oh, woe is me. Ah, can't believe I did that. I'm such an idiot. And you never confessed it, and you never let it go where it's supposed to be let go. What if you always walked around in that guilt and that shame? Wouldn't you possibly be denying the grace that Christ extends to you in forgiveness? Oh man, what about this one? That every time we act out in disobedience, that we don't obey the Holy Scriptures, are we denying the righteousness of Christ, the supremacy of Christ as Lord? I know I've been there. I've walked out in disobedience. And man, when I live for this little red portion, and I'm just thinking about my comfortable life right in here, and I don't ever think about what's offered to me in eternity, and I'm denying the love of Christ dying on a cross. It's crazy. It's crazy. I can look on Facebook, the people that I went to school with, 10, 15 years ago, and you can follow people's lives. It's, it's kind of weird like that. You don't really need to be a detective. You just can type in their name and their whole life comes up. And you can see the different decisions they make. And I look back and I think, man, you, you really made that decision? That's crazy. That's crazy that you would make a decision here that you think is going to affect here, but you're not thinking about all of this. It's nuts. And we all do it. We all do it. You know, the age-old saying goes that we can't take anything in this world with us to heaven, right? You've heard of that one. And I would say that's true. But I would add in there that thought, though we might not be able to take anything with us, we can take others, right? We can take others. And when, when we think of this life is not about ourselves from beginning to end, but when we think about from beginning to end in these few short years about maybe that this life is not about us, and we start thinking of eternal things, Maybe, maybe we get to take people on this journey with us into eternity. When I was, you guys' age in high school, this is crazy. I was thinking about this the other day. When I was your age, in fact, I want to say I was a junior in high school. I had two of my best friends approach me. They were good friends. And they asked me if I was a Christian. I didn't even know what the word meant. Is that nuts? 
And so I kind of I stumbled around. I was trying to figure out what I was going to say. And I go, no, I'm not a Christian. I'm a Catholic. <laughs> I was just thinking of the first thing that came into mind that might have maybe had Jesus in it. I knew of a God, and I knew of Jesus, but I never put the two together. And nobody had ever explained it to me. And so I went through my entire high school career. I was a good kid. In fact, I was pretty morally sound. I did everything my parents asked me to do. My high school principal was my uncle, and so he was always looking over my shoulder. I couldn't really get out of line there. There was no, uh, oh, I'm going to screw up because everybody had eyes on me, but I was never doing it out of obedience to God. And so I walked through my entire high school career being this goody two-shoes, and my senior year came around, and they voted me as the most outstanding senior. (sighs) On what merit? Was I outstanding at all? I was pretty devoted in my track and cross-country careers. And I had, I had won six state championships while I was in high school. And I was really devoted to those kinds of things. I was really devoted to this right here. This was my world. High school, right about here. I'm right about here with children. And maybe I'll have this. But I was here, and I lived just in that little bubble right in there. And the world standard said that I was the most outstanding senior. You know what the sad thing is? Had I died on graduation day as the most outstanding senior when they presented that to me? I would have stood before Jesus and he would have said, Joe, I never knew you. Depart from me. Some outstanding senior. I could have died that day, and because I didn't have a relationship with the Father, and I never ever thought about eternity being offered to me as a gift, I was so consumed with this, I never knew that Jesus loved me to the point that he would die for me. And all of this was just waiting for me, and I just had to receive it. Thank goodness the story didn't end there. Thank goodness for some of you in this room, the story doesn't have to end there. Thank goodness for Peter, the story didn't end after he denied Christ three times. I'm going to pick back up at the end of John. Jesus has now been fully persecuted. Crucified on a cross, he died, but he rose. And now he's come back to reveal himself to a few of his close followers, the disciples being some of those people. Now, put yourself in Peter's shoes there just for a minute. The last interaction he had with Jesus, or that he could have stood up in his faith to who Jesus was, he cowards out. He takes the easy way out. He denies him. Imagine the anguish that Peter may have been walking around with. I sold him out. I had the opportunity to stand in with him and stand for what he trusted me with, and I sold him out. I acted like I didn't even know him. Man, have you ever carried that anguish? I could have stood up for my faith. I really could have loved 
when I chickened out, and I really could have prayed hard, when I chickened out, I denied him, denied him. So you can imagine Peter has carried this with him now. Remember, the disciples were simple-minded people. In fact, if you look back when Jesus calls his disciples out, what was the profession of most of them? They were fishermen, weren't they? They were simple-minded fishermen. And so does it shock you at all that after Jesus goes to be with the Father, that these guys are standing around and they go, I wonder what we should do. Peter goes, well, I'm going fishing. I mean, it says it right here in verse in chapter 21, verse 3, Peter says to the disciples, I'm going fishing. And the rest of them say, hey, we'll come with you. They go back to what they know. They go back to what they know. And so you see these group of guys, and just can you imagine them sitting out in their boat? And they're looking at each other going, man, what has happened for the past three years? We've walked with this guy, and we saw him do many miraculous things. And he asked us to follow him, but then he just goes off and he leaves us. And they're trying to pick up the puzzle pieces. And I imagine that they're wondering, man, what the hell? What the hell? And Peter, you know, he's thinking, gosh, I sure could have stood up and I just didn't. And so they're fishing and familiar Familiar situation here. They're fishing and they're not catching anything. These guys must have sucked at, fish, at being fishermen. I mean, the first time Jesus sees them, they're not catching anything. And when he comes back, they're not catching anything. And so they're, they're not catching anything out there on the water. And they hear this voice, hey, do you catch anything? No. What else is new? <laughs> Cast your nets to the other side of the boat. And so they do. And they catch this huge amount of fish. And then one of the disciples, the disciple that Jesus loved, Says, hey, you know, I think that's him. And all of a sudden, Peter, realizing that it's Jesus, I can only imagine, emotion probably just floods him. He wants to run and make things right. He throws on his tunic. The passage says that they're 100 yards from shore, and he just jumps out in the water, and he starts running to Jesus. Can you imagine the embrace Jesus calls the rest of the disciples in. He's made breakfast for them. He says, guys, come. Let's eat. Let's have some breakfast. And I imagine they're just sitting there enjoying the company of one another. Conversation probably starts to die down a little bit. And you can picture Jesus catching the eye of Peter. And he says to him, Chapter 21, verse 15, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon, Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter responds, well, yeah, of course I love you, Jesus. I can imagine Jesus looked intently at him. Peter, feed my lambs. And then he asked him again, Simon Peter, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, I love you. Love you with all my heart. Peter, 
take care of my sheep. And he asked him a third time, Peter, do you love me? Peter gets frustrated. Jesus, of course you know I love you. You know everything about me. I love you. Peter, feed my sheep. Follow me. It's this beautiful picture, this reconciliation. But all Jesus wants to really know from Peter, no matter what's happened leading up to this, is Peter... Do you love me? Do you honestly love me? Peter, if you do, you'll take care of the people that I put into your life. And you'll follow me. You'll follow all of my ways. And it's crazy that no matter how many times we might deny Jesus in our lifetime, no matter how many times in this short, sometimes self-centered life that we live, that we deny this free offering of eternity. He just continues loving us. Now, I love you guys. I do. I love you with all my heart. And as your student pastor for the past two years, I love you. In fact, after the service, I'm going to offer you a free barbecue to show you how much I love you. You guys don't sound very excited. I'm talking about. I'm going to offer you this free barbecue out of love for you, but how much more does the Father love us that he would sacrifice his own son to a cross to be shamed, mocked, persecuted? So no matter how many times we deny him, this free offering of eternity exists for us, and all we have to do is receive it. It's just there to take. And at the end of it, Jesus just wants to know, do we love him? Go back to the beginning of that scene and somewhere in the gospel of John chapter 13 sets the scene of the Last Supper. When Jesus is sitting with his disciples and remember what he does, he takes the bread, breaks it, gives thanks and then he, he reminds them that this bread represents his body, right? This body that's been broken and given up for them. And he's trying to get their minds to wrap around that he's about to go to be with the Father. And that there's going to be some things on earth that they can do out of remembrance of him. That might just help them remember that while they're walking through this short life, that there are eternity there are eternal things that await them. And then what does he do? He gets the juice, right? The wine. They had wine back then, not sissy juice. They had wine. And he says, guys, this wine, this cup represents my blood. The blood that I'm going to shed for you. The blood that's going to wash away every sin that you've ever had or will have for all of eternity. You're going to be washed new with this blood. Drink this in remembrance of me. Do these things in remembrance of me.
heart for you guys. He said, while we're walking through this little red portion, that every now and then, more often than not, we might realize that there's eternity that awaits us. And that some of the decisions that we make while we're walking here, you would realize affect here. And you might not be able to bring anything with you to heaven, but you can bring others with you. That's my heart for you. And that you would know that Jesus loves you. And no matter what you do, have done, no matter what ridiculous sin that maybe you denied Christ in some form or fashion, all he wants to know is that, do you love him? Do you love him? I'm going to invite the band back up here. And the way we're going to respond this morning, no gimmicks, no papers, no crazy fireballs of anything. Exactly. We're simply, we're simply going to take communion in remembrance of Jesus. And I might encourage you, maybe pair up, and as you take communion, pray over those elements as Jesus did. Remind yourselves what you're taking. And if you have to say it out loud that this bread represents the body of Christ, remind your brothers and sisters of that. And then take it in unison. And do it because you love him. Because he first loved us. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Woods Edge Student Ministry Podcast. Please feel free to share copies of this podcast, but do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way. For more information, please visit woodsedge.org or find us on Facebook under Woods Edge Students.